The following program deals with a controversial subject. The theories expressed are not the only possible interpretation. Viewers are invited to make a judgment based on all available information. This is your captain speaking. We are beginning our descent into madness. Open, open, your, 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 mind. And we are back to another edition of West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late, but boy, we're going to make it worth your while tonight. Genevieve, how are you doing over there? I'm super excited. I'm doing super well. Thank uh, you very I hope much. you're as excited as I am because, yeah, tonight we have a really cool guest. I can't wait to do this interview. But speaking of interview, I want to remind people to check out our latest interview from our guest last week, Elisa E., victim survivor of mind control, believe it or not. This whole topic of mind control blows my mind, no pun intended. Go check it out. I mean, it really left me thinking. So head over to our website, WOTRradio.com, and uh, can check that out. It, it was something else. It was, it was a really, really intense interview. Definitely one of those topics that make you uncomfortable at times, you know? Uh, at times? It makes you more than uncomfortable. It makes you <laughs> awfully uncomfortable. Yeah, no, but we want to thank Elisa, our guest from last week, uh, for her bravery and her courage, and honestly, for being so open about speaking out something. It's so... Bizarre. Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of terrifying, tonight's show, I think, will be uh, along the same lines. Well, it, different lines, but the same level. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my own personal background, how I came across these stories, a longtime listener of our show, Janice, I want to send a quick shout out to Janice. She lives out there in the lovely state of Colorado. I love Colorado. It's a beautiful state, the Rocky Mountains, and of course, the forest. I was up there a few times when, you know, when I was a kid and I loved it. I love the outdoors. I mean, I'm not the outdoorsy person, but I can appreciate the outdoors. Mm -hmm. um, in the past few months, we started researching these cases of people that mysteriously began to vanish yeah, uh, in national parks and, and gosh, forests. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge topic. So this there. is where our friend Janice comes in. She sends me a, a link to Reddit and she's like, Frank, check Frank, have stories. you ever heard of Reddit before? It's really <laughs> Number cool. one, have you heard of Reddit? <laughs> Number two, of course I've heard of Reddit. And yeah, you know, and I started reading these stories and honestly, I didn't sleep the whole night. I read all those stories at once. And I was literally too terrified to go to sleep. And just FYI, for those of you that don't know, Frank's sort of person who could sleep next to like a building oh, yeah. site. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. No, I could sleep in the NASA launching pad. You it's can like, put me sorry, right next sorry, to it. I'd be did like, something mm -hmm. happen or <laughs> I might have just dreamt but, it. Anyways, enough of all this, because I know that people are probably eagerly waiting to hear from, from our guest tonight. So Genevieve, if you would be so kind, as it is the custom here at West of the Rockies, would mm -hmm. you please uh, introduce the guest? Search and Rescue Woods, username in one word, also known as SAR or ZAR Woods, um, as we'll be um, saying it, um, recently blew up on Reddit via the website's popular No Sleep subreddit. Sarwoods began posting stories about three months ago, instantly receiving an incredible amount of feedback with post comics tallying up into the hundreds, you know, literally. Much akin to the 411 book series by David Politis, the stories were mysterious and extremely heavy in subject matter, the protagonist being a search and rescue officer, as you can tell from the name, um, for the US Forest Service, who decided to finally open up and tell their dark tales. And dark, they really were. So let me read you just um, a, a condensed version of the first post on Reddit. 
I wasn't sure where else to post these stories, so I figured I'd share them here. I've been an SAR officer for a few years now, and along the way I've seen some things that I think you guys will be interested in. I have a pretty good track record for finding missing people. Most of the time they just wander off the path or slip down a small cliff and they can't find their way back. The majority of them have heard the old stay where you are thing and they don't wander far. But I've had two cases where that didn't happen. Both bother me a lot and I use them as motivation to search even harder in the missing persons cases I got called on. The first was a little boy who was out berry picking with his parents. He and his sister were together and both of them went missing around the same time. Their parents lost sight of them for a few seconds, and in that time, both the kids apparently wandered off. When their parents couldn't find them, they called us, and we came out to search the area. We found the daughter pretty quickly, and when we asked where the brother was, she told us that he'd been taken away by, quote, the bear man, end quote. She said he gave her berries and told her to stay quiet. She told us that he wanted to play with her brother for a while. The last she saw of her brother, he was riding on the shoulders of the bear man and seemed calm. Of course, our first thought was abduction, but we never found a trace of another human being in that area. The little girl was also insistent that he wasn't a normal man, but he was tall and covered in hair, like a bear. And he had a weird face. We searched for weeks and it was one of the longest calls I've ever been on, but we never found a single trace of that kid. The other was a young woman who was out hiking with her mum and grandpa. According to the mother, the daughter had climbed up a tree to get a better view of the forest. But she never came back down. They waited at the base of the tree for hours, calling her name before they called for help. Again, we searched everywhere, and we never found a trace of her. I have no idea where she possibly could have gone, because neither her mother or grandpa saw her come down. A few times I've been out on my own searching with a canine and they've tried to lead me straight off cliffs. Not hills, not even rock faces, straight, sheer cliffs with no possible handholds. It's always baffling and in those cases we usually find a person on the other side of the cliff or miles away from where the canine has led us. I'm sure there's an explanation, but it's sort of strange. I'm skipping a couple of stories here and to the end. One of the scariest things I've ever had happen to me involved the search of a young woman who'd gotten separated from a hiking group. We were out until late at night because the dogs had picked up her scent. When we found her, she was curled up under a large rotted log. She was missing her shoes and pack and she was clearly in shock. She didn't have any injuries and we were able to get her to walk with us back to base ops. Along the way, she kept looking behind us and asking us why that big man with black eyes was following us. We couldn't see anyone, so we just wrote it off as some weird symptom of shock. But the closer we got to base, the more agitated this woman got. She kept asking me to tell him to stop making faces at her. At one point, she stopped and turned around and started yelling into the forest, saying that she wanted him to leave her alone. She wasn't going to go with him, she said, and she wouldn't give us to him. We finally got her to keep moving, but we started hearing these weird noises coming from all around us. It was almost like coughing, but more rhythmic and deeper. It was almost insect-like. I don't really know how else to describe it. When we were within sight of base ops, the woman turns to me and her eyes are about as wide as I can imagine a human could open them. She touches my shoulders and says, he says to tell you to speed up. He doesn't like looking at the scar on your neck. You see, I have a very small scar on the base of my neck, but it's mostly hidden under my collar and I have no idea how this woman saw it. Right after she says it, I hear that weird coughing right in my ear and I just jumped out of my skin. I hustled her to ops trying not to show how freaked out I was, but I have to say I was really happy when we left the area that night. This is the last one I'll tell and it's probably the weirdest story I have. 
Now, I don't know if this is true in every SAR unit, but in mine, it's, it's sort of an unspoken regular thing we run into. You can try asking about it with other SAR officers, but even if they, they, even if they know what you're talking about, they probably won't say anything about it. We've been told not to talk about it by our superiors, and at this point, we've all gotten so used to it that it doesn't even seem weird anymore. On just about every case where we're really far into the wilderness, I'm talking 30 or 40 miles, at some point we'll find a staircase in the middle of the woods. It's almost like if you took the stairs in your house, cut them out, and put them in the forest. I asked about it the first time I saw one, and the other officer just told me not to worry about it, that it was normal everyone I asked said the same thing. I wanted to go check them out, but I was told very emphatically that I should never go near any of them. I just sort of ignore them now when I run into them because it happens so frequently. Um, so that was a snippet from a story. Wow. And <laughs> before we continue, um, for those of you that don't already know, the, the rule slash disclaimer section of the No Sleep subreddit reads as follows. No Sleep is a place for authors to share their original stories. Suspension of disbelief is key here. Everything is true here, even if it's not. Don't be the jerk in a movie theater hee-hawing because monkeys don't fly. Still confused? Check out the rules and guidelines or ask your questions in No Sleep OOC. And with that, and with that, <laughs> we'd like to welcome SAR Wood onto the show. Hello, can you hear us okay? Hi. Now, I can. Awesome. Now, let's get the obvious questions out of the way. Are you a search and rescue officer? <laughs> um, I'm not, actually. I uh, Believe it or not, I, I don't have any experience, actually, uh, in the forest uh, service industry, which I think was actually kind of startling for a lot of people, uh, just given how I wrote about it. Um, but no, actually, I'm, I'm a writer by trade, so I have no experience <laughs> in the wilderness. An excellent writer at that, let me tell you. Your stories... When I started reading them, like I said, they were they were they captivated me. I was submerged in them. I was terrified by them, to be quite honest. Especially because I've heard from friends and you know acquaintances and and books all these kind of strange things that can happen in the woods. So when I started reading your stories, I was terrified. The other question that a lot of people would have, and I know that you recently started a Tumblr blog where you're archiving your stories and interacting with your readers, and a question that you get a lot is, are the stories true? Well, uh, it's it's kind of one of those things where they're not necessarily true for me, mm -hmm. um, but they are based on uh, factual stories. One of the things that they were initially based off of um, was, of course, David Politis's work. Mm -hmm. um, he's someone who I greatly admire his work is incredible yes. and unbelievably detailed. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had originally listened to his stories a couple of years back. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it was something that was really interesting. Yeah. Obviously, it was a topic I'd never heard of and that I thought was fascinating. Um, so in terms of the people that are going missing um, mm -hmm. in the stories, yes, it is It is factual. These are things that are happening. Right. Um, but as to whether or not they've happened to me, mm -hmm. I have not experienced it myself. Although I will say um, I lived for a long time um, in an area of central Oregon that's the high desert. Uh -huh. And there are definitely places out there, um, especially for anybody that lives there around the uh, Sisters area, um, that are just 
sort of vaguely unsettling. There's mm-hmm. not really any specific reason for it. They're just kind of weird. Right. Um, so that's where a lot of the content um, from my stories comes from, is both from David Politis's work, things mm-hmm. that I've heard have happened to other people, um, and things that, you know, I've kind of just come up with on my own. We'll come back to the issue of uh, missing people in, in regards to uh, David Politis's work, but I wanted to ask you, did you ever expect when you posted your first story on Reddit, that you would get the reaction that you got? You know, it's <laughs> um, it's funny because the actual idea uh, for the stories came up mm-hmm. um, in a conversation I was having um, with my boyfriend one evening. And we were kind of, I was telling him that I was, you know, looking into writing something. Uh-huh. I wanted to start a new project that I thought might be, you know, a, a good way for me to kind of practice my writing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we ended up on this conversation uh, about, you know, what might be weird to find out in the woods. And I said, you know, it would be weird mm-hmm. is finding stairs out. In the woods. <laughs> <laughs> so it was something um, that I kind of posted on a whim. And I mm-hmm. figured, you know, at best, I figured maybe a couple of hundred people would see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically overnight, it went from having no views to, you know, 3000. So no, I, I never expected it to, to take off the way that it has. And I mean, it's incredible. I'm, I'm incredibly thankful for the people that have stuck with it and have read it. Um, but no, it, it was definitely not something that I expected. I'm telling you, I, I was sent the link by one of our uh, longtime listeners, and I began to see people posting the link to it in a lot of the, the forums and the blogs I, I usually frequent. Doing a show like this, you know, I'm always looking for all the strange mysteries out there, and it kept popping up a lot. And at first there were some, you know, people asking whether they're, they're real or not. Or I just want to say that I actually reached out to you a while back and you were very straightforward with me. You know, there wasn't, you didn't mislead me in any way. You, you told me right then and there that you were a writer and these were fictional stories. So I just wanted to get that out of the way to make sure that, you know, nobody thinks that you were misleading anybody at any point, especially mm-hmm. being in that particular subreddit. But it's crazy how people began jumping on these stories and they were fascinated by it. I mean, one of my favorite parts next to your stories was reading the comments because so many people, and I mean, granted, it's hard to tell again because of the nature of the no sleep subreddit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, if the comments are kind of like In playing along, yeah. correct? Or if they're real. But what did you make of all that feedback from people sharing similar stories and things like that? amazing. I couldn't believe how many people were stepping forward uh, with these stories that, you know, of their own experiences of things that, you know, and, and again, it's like you said, it's, it's kind of hard to know um, with the no sleep subreddit whether or not we're talking about stories uh, that are, you know, fictional or real. But just because of the volume um, of people that have come forward and, yeah. and the variance in the stories that they're coming up with, I mean, I'm inclined to think that there has to be at least out of them, there have to be at least a handful that are real. And I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, one of the things I think that has been really surprising um, has been, you know, and again, this is assuming that at least some of them are real, is mm-hmm. that while the stories were fictional, um, there are people that do seem to have had experiences that are somewhat related or very similar to the things that I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. one of those, of course, is the stairs. I'm finding that I'm still getting a lot of, you know, private messages from people who are saying, I've seen them. No. This is real or not, but (laughs) I've been out there and I've seen them. And and so that is interesting to me. And it kind of is one of those things that does make you think a little bit. 
And before we go any further, for our listeners on iHeartRadio and Ustream, and for the people who are catching the podcast version of the show, why don't we talk a little bit about the stairs? Tell me how the the idea of the stairs came about, because the first time that you mentioned the stairs, and I think it was on, on part two or three, that you went into a little bit more detail, some more detailed stories about the stairs, I was literally having like a panic attack. So tell me, what was the inspiration to put stairs in the story? Because I never thought stairs could be so terrifying. <laughs> um, it's funny because there's <laughs> at the place that I work, um, mm-hmm. we live in an area that has a lot of basements, um, mm-hmm. just because we're in the Midwest. And uh, if you go down into our basement, uh-huh. uh, if you round the corner, I mean, this is a very large basement. It's creepy. Mm-hmm. I mean, basements are creepy anyway. But there is a set of stairs in that basement that doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. They just go straight up into the roof. Um, and it's because when they added onto the building, that staircase originally led out to the street, but doesn't anymore. Uh-huh. And it's just kind of one of those things that was just weird enough that it always kind of creeped me out a little bit. Right. Um, so the idea kind of came about because again, I was having that conversation, um, and I thought, you know, it would be really strange if, you know, you went out and you saw them, but I wasn't thinking, you know, like, you know, uh, like fire tower stairs mm-hmm. or, or things like that. I was thinking, what if you saw, you know, the stairs from your house, but just out 40 miles in, in the middle of nothing where they right. couldn't possibly be, um, so it just something about it, I think, just kind of struck me as being odd. And mm-hmm. I think that one of the things that really makes uh, horror work as well as it does uh, is that you take something that is very ordinary and you turn it abstract. You put yeah. it in a situation, you know, where it wouldn't normally be. I a few years back, I remember reading a story. Uh, about a guy, it was a kid, and his parents were driving in a car, and his mom said, now what on earth is that? And they looked up into the sky, and way up in the sky there was a car. It's one of those things where it's, it in and of itself is not frightening, but it's the context in which you're finding it and that you're seeing it that right. is frightening. So I think that's kind of where they came from, mm-hmm. um, was just the idea of taking something that everyone sees and that is just around us all the time and putting it in a context it could not possibly be in. That that introduces that element of you know uncertainty that really kind of throws you off balance. There's no way to make it work, essentially, in your mind or to justify it. Yeah, you know, I remember reading about the stairs and thinking, wow, if there is uh, some kind of force out there what this is how deep you had me like analyzing every detail i started thinking like you know there is a really some kind of dark force causing these disappearances what better way to lure somebody than finding stairs in the middle of nowhere i I just picture myself tired dehydrated cold starving and just seeing all of a sudden these stairs in the middle of nowhere with my theories as to how or why these disappearances happened this kind of added a new element into it what i i do remember was reading your stories i began to kind of zero in a little bit i was telling my co-host genevieve they're written so good they're written like a right, like a writer wrote him. You know, if this guy is a search and rescue worker, he's an amazing writer. He should, he should just go into writing in general. And of course, I come to find out in one of our email exchanges that you indeed are a writer by trade. Before we go any further with the stairs and all that, let me get a little bit more history on you, if that's okay. How did you get into writing? Um, my mom uh, is actually an author, um, and when I was growing up, uh, that's what she did all the time was write. And it's something that I've always 
been good at. It's something I've always really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so I've been writing basically since, you know, forever. I, I used to mm-hmm. write, you know, really long stories in school. It's something that I've always found a lot of joy in. I was never one of the kids that, you know, keeps a journal and records everything that's going on in life. But I, I think there's just, there's something about creating, you know, these stories of things that have never happened and just watching it, watching it happen, essentially, that is just fascinating to me. So originally, when I started writing, um, I was doing mostly, I mean, I've always kind of leaned more towards fiction. Um, So, you know, to begin with, I was kind of just doing generalized fiction. I really liked cats as a kid. So I wrote a lot of stories about cats. Um, So I started with that. And as I got older, I got really, really into Stephen King. Nice. And he was a huge influence uh, on my writing. And right about when I started reading him was when I really started getting into the horror genre. And Mm -hmm. I started to find that it's one of those really rare genres where if you get it right, you get it really right. And if you get it wrong, you get it really wrong. There's really not a lot of in between. True. Mm-hmm. So I started getting really obsessed with, okay, well, what makes something scary and what makes something just kind of not work? And mm-hmm. I started watching just devouring movies and books and basically anything I could get my hands on. And then I realized, you know, a lot of what I'm looking for, I just don't think is out there. So I'm going to start writing it. So I started, you know, kind of doing it on my own, um, you know, in a very amateur way. I started kind of writing horror. And there are things on Reddit that I had actually posted previous uh, to the Stairs series mm-hmm. um, that did fairly well but never really took off. Um, this one, I think, whether it was just good timing or a fluke or the writing itself has really taken off more than I would have expected. Um but that's sort of how I got into it. It's, it was a combination of, you know, my mom has always really supported it, really enjoyed my writing, mm-hmm. and finding a genre that I really wanted to contribute to because I think there's a lot of potential in that genre to make something really amazing. And it's one of those few that's not really oversaturated with things. It's really hard to get into fiction because there's so much of it. There's really right. not a lot yeah. in this particular genre. So that's sort of... That's sort of how I ended up getting into writing and, and I guess, horror in general. That's really interesting because I could tell that these stories, I mean, these accounts at the time, taking them for for uh, what many people thought were actual accounts, I thought they were amazingly written, extremely well detailed. And like I said, I couldn't sleep the whole night after I read them. Uh, Now, one of the things that has happened is, obviously, if you have a lot of followers, a lot of fans of your work, uh, and I've noticed on your Tumblr, which I follow, and I believe the Tumblr link is Search and Rescue Woods on Tumblr. And what I've seen is that a lot of people have been sending fan art, showing the stairs and things like that. Um, What do you think of that? Did you ever think people were going to be so into your stories that they were going to be uh, ascending you art? I would, I would never, I would never have imagined that. And the art that people are sending me is amazing. There's a wonderful woman who's doing these, this incredible series of, of miniature photographs and they're, mm-hmm. they're just, they're amazing. And it's, I mean, it's incredibly humbling um, mm-hmm. that people have enjoyed my work so much that it's inspiring them um to do these things. It's wonderful. I, I try to encourage, you know, my followers and my readers as much as possible that if you do something like anything related to my stories, I want to know about it. I want to see it because I could not have ever imagined that 
that people would would like it this much. So yeah, I mean it's it's amazing, and I'm I'm very humbled by it. The the things that people are creating are are just amazing. It's it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm quite you know happy to see how many people um, have stuck by you. Was it scary? Or did you have second thoughts coming out and saying, you know, the, the stories are fiction? Because I was going to say, in spite of that, you still have a, a great number of uh, readers and, and fans who want more. You know, the, the question of whether or not to admit uh, that it was fictional was something I really, really struggled with. Mm -hmm. uh, once it really started becoming popular, there was, you know, I had, I had this kind of urge to basically just remind people, you know, mm -hmm. that it, it was fictional. But at the same time, people were so enchanted with the idea. And, and I, I know, you know, I know as well as anybody how, mu how much, you know, I would love to believe that this is really going on mm -hmm. because it's so weird and it's yeah. so cool. So I really did not want to break that, that sense of, you know, belief. I really didn't mm -hmm. want to, I really didn't want to ruin that. Um, but actually what ended up happening, and I did discuss it briefly uh, on my Tumblr, was that um, I was, a comment was posted, I believe on maybe the sixth or seventh part, um, and someone let me know uh, that David Politis was aware of the series. Mm -hmm. And because I'm, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a really huge fan of his work. Right. And I, I really respect him. I wanted to make sure that my stories weren't somehow impacting him because they are of basically the same subject material. So uh, I reached out to him, um, introduced myself, let him know who I was. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, you know, I won't go into a lot of detail, but I, I found out that it was causing a significant amount of traffic to him that oh, he wow. was having to take time out of, out of his work to clear up. So. Right. At that point, there really wasn't the option of, of letting people know that it was fiction. It wasn't really the way that I wanted to do it, but at the same time, it, it gave me the excuse that I think I was looking for. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there was definitely a huge amount of trepidation. I didn't know if, you know, there was going to be this massive backlash of people that were furious. I didn't know if people would think that I had conned them or, you know, that I'd somehow, you know, tricked them in any way. That was never never my intention to do. Um, and I, I did get a few people um, who, who messaged me and said, you know, wow, I, I can't believe you would lie about this. And But, you know, 99% of people wrote me and said, I don't care if it's fiction or not. It's amazing. Please keep writing it. Mm -hmm. um, so I was really glad that there wasn't as much negative backlash as right. I thought there might be. I was just yeah. going to say, that was that's a, quite a, you know, a, 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 a predicament. predicament. <laughs> but sorry, I didn't mean to, to cut you off. Go, go ahead and finish. Sorry about that. Oh, no, it's fine. Yeah, it, well, and like I said, because of the nature uh, of what the stories were about, um, yeah, I really didn't know if I was ever going to be able to, you know, come out and say, you know, you guys have been awesome, but just to let you know, you know, it is fictional, so if you want to, you know, talk to me about it or whatever, that's fine. Right. Um, but thankfully, it, it seems like the majority of people are, are reading my stories not because they, you know, are looking for any kind of validation to them. They're reading mm -hmm. them because they enjoy the series. Right. Which, you know, thank goodness for that. No, absolutely. <laughs> um, I think it's important so, to point yeah. out 
as well. I mean, you know, like when Frank hit you up, you explicitly said that they were fictional. You didn't beat around the bush at all. And I assume that if anyone else had messaged you personally, emailed you, you would have said the same thing. I mean, you know, there, there was never a, a barrier where you in black and white said these are true. In, no, I, I'd never said that. Exactly. And, and I feel that you, anyone who would have asked, you would have, yeah. you know, said the truth. Um, so in a way, yeah. I, I feel it's, it's almost unfair that some people felt so negatively. I understand their situation, but at the same time, at no point did you, did you lie to mm -hmm. people? You know what I'm saying? You're, you're a writer. That, yeah. That's part that's the nature of being a writer a writer of fiction and also that that's the very nature of that specific subreddit and that's why i felt the need to read um the disclaimer at the beginning and i think it would have definitely been a different story if i had blatantly said these are 100 percent true mm, right yeah. right everything in this is fact if if that had been the case yes it would have been a blatant lie and and there would have been some some issues but i from the very beginning, wanted to keep it very vague. It's mysterious. Um, in that sense, because when I did want, you know, I knew eventually I'd have to tell people it was fictional. And yeah. when that time came, I wanted to be able to go back and say, I didn't ever say it was fact. Mm -hmm. I wanted people to make that choice for themselves. Exactly. And I've got a quick question. Is there a certain motivation as well, or at least a, a secondary um, goal maybe, behind your stories, you know, that, that actually help bring certain issues to light. You know, the issues that David Politis um, highlights, you're actually helping those stories and those books gain popularity, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, it wasn't, I mean, if I'm being honest, it, it wasn't a huge motivator, but when <laughs> I wrote them, I knew that was where people were going to go. Mm -hmm. They were right. going to look for, you know, other instances of this happening and they, they would inevitably find his work, mm -hmm. which I think really deserves to have a lot more exposure than yeah. it does. It's really important and I think people should be aware of it. So I wanted to do it in a way that was very respectful, that, you know, that would bring him, you know, a good amount of traffic and, and help him in any way that I could. Mm -hmm. um, because I really, I, again, I, I really think his work is very important and definitely needs to be looked at. There's clearly something, there's something to it. And I would really like people to take a look at it. So that, yeah. that definitely, it definitely was a, a motivating factor of it was, was to try and, you know, help him out. Yeah, we, we actually reached out to David Politis a few months back and he was kind enough to send us a, a copy of his latest book, uh, Missing 411, A Silvering Coincidence. And uh, we we're going to actually have him on the show, but I know he's taping a, a documentary and, and then his book came out. So he's, he's actually a, a pretty busy guy. But I agree that, you know, when I started reading... Um, um, uh, you know, these these stories of missing people that David Politis was covering. I think I, like most people, at first thought that, well, maybe a lot of things can happen in the woods, right? Call me naive, but I always felt the woods was kind of like this safe place where you can go and camp out with your friends and have picnics and whatnot. Um, after reading a bit of Politis' stories, I realized that that wasn't the case. And yeah, when I came to your stories, obviously I could see the parallel. And I did notice that a lot of people were actually being turned to Politis' work through your stories. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, I thought that that was great because it's a very serious issue. You know, we talk about all kinds of crazy things on this show, all these mysteries and conspiracies and whatnot but every time that we touch on a topic where you know human lives are 
uh, lost, and I'm not trying to be funny by using the, the, the word lost, but anytime where it's it's a topic where families are affected mm-hmm. and, and people suffer for, you know, the, these strange occurrences, we treat those topics with the seriousness that it deserves. And I like the fact that your stories did serve as a gateway for a lot of people that maybe would never think of looking up these type of situations or bother to, you know, pick up a book by uh, David Politis. And, And, you know, know, it doesn't matter whether it was a primary aim or not, because the fact is (laughs) that was the result. And uh, I don't think people should should get, you know, too mad and crazily angry about things like that, because there's a lot of bad things that happen in the world, whether it's murder, whether it's a world war fiction. You know, fictional stories are generated out of non-fictional occurrences. That's ju- that's just what happens. Someone who writes something just because the inspiration was something real shouldn't shouldn't be blamed for that. It, it's a bit of a strange thing, you know. Now, um, for the for the people who are joining us now, our guest tonight is Carrie, aka Sar Woods or S A R Woods on Reddit, Search mm-hmm. and, and Rescue, um, on also Tumblr. on Tumblr as well. And we're talking about her, her series of fictional stories about people that have disappeared in the woods from the point of view of a search and, and rescue uh, worker. Now, let me uh, ask you about these uh, strange beings that your characters see and, and when they're out there. Uh, one of them being the man that would meow. Where do you get such a scary idea like that? Like, I, I can't imagine myself walking through the woods and hearing like this weird, buzzy, raspy meow coming from all directions. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I, I knew that question would come up. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about where <laughs> my ideas come from. And I'm sure, you know, I know that every author who writes these kinds of things is asked that question. And uh-huh. I would say that it sounds terrible, but really they just sort of happen. I, I, like I said, horror is my hobby. It is something yeah. that one of the only things in my life that I'm really honestly passionate about. I spend all of my free time thinking about it. I am pretty obsessive when it comes to it. Um, so it's, they they come from things that I've seen, that I've mm-hmm. read, that I've experienced, that for whatever reason or another just just really resonated with me. Yeah. Um, the man, you know, who was saying meow over and over, I just thought, you know, I, I think I remember in that particular instance, I thought, okay, well, it would be unsettling enough to be out in the middle of nowhere and hear somebody talking to you, but what if they were just what if they were just making some kind of noise, mm-hmm. but not the right way? Um, there is a really, I guess not really famous, but a really popular story um, that somebody wrote, uh, I don't know, it probably would have been maybe three or four years ago, um, that's passed around a lot on mm-hmm. um, like Goatman and, and Skinwalker oh, yeah. um, boards and threads about a guy who went camping with a big group of people. Um, and one of the things that he mentioned in this particular story was that at some point they were all in the trailer and somebody was talking to them from outside. But he said, but it sounded like as if, as if a, a cat had learned to talk. It sounded right, but the inflection was wrong. Everything about it was mm-hmm. wrong. And I thought, okay, well, how, how can I do something like that but, you know, maybe take it up a notch? And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how that one came to wow. me. Wow. Uh, one of the, you know, biggest I, again, one of the biggest influences that I'd had was 
was Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of owns his own particular genre, and some of the things in his books don't scare me, and some of the things do. And the things that do are the things that I sort of take away. And one of the things that he's really, really good at is is kind of stream of thought and translating dreams onto paper. And dreams can either be really good or they can be really bad. They can be terrifying. People have dreams that terrify them for their entire lives. And he's very good at putting those down in words. And so he's a pretty big influence on me as far as that goes. He's also really good at using colors, at using sensations, Mm -hmm. uh, environment. Um, So he's uh, sort of where, you know, those kinds of things in my stories come from. Um, So they're they're sort of things that I spend a lot of time thinking about and that I, I, they almost always start with, you know, it would be really weird. And then it either turns into an Mm -hmm. idea or I go, "Eh, no, that doesn't work. That that would would never be scary. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's kind of where they all end up coming from. It's just sort of things that pop into my head out of the blue. You definitely have some really strange things in in your stories that at the same time, like I said, I've talked to a lot of people, especially in recent few weeks, you know, and I've asked them, hey, you know, you remember years ago when you told me this story or that story. And it's funny because it seems like everyone has a story about something that happened to them (laughs) in the woods. Have you ever had any kind of strange or even remotely strange event happen to you uh, when you've gone out camping at all? I have actually spent very little time um, mm-hmm. out in the woods because of my family. My my mother, um, God lover, is not a huge fan of the outdoors. <laughs> so when I was a kid, we went a couple of times, but we didn't go very much. Um, recently, though, um, as I mentioned uh, in one of my uh, Reddit updates, we took a trip to Scotland. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it was beautiful. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful country. I, I can't say enough about how amazing it is. Um, and at one point, uh, we went to the coast near Pitlockery, mm-hmm. and we walked out uh, along this little path on a coastal in a coastal forest to go and see this ruin. Uh-huh. Um, and I wanted to do a little bit of research while I was there um, to see what it felt like to be kind of in the middle of nowhere, um, because the parts that we were in were very remote. There wasn't a lot of, you know, foot or, you know, vehicle traffic out there. So I let them go ahead of me. It was really early in the morning. Um, It was really foggy. There was, I mean, it was dead quiet. There was nothing moving. And I wandered out a little ways um, into the forest, uh, Mm -hmm. not far enough that I thought I would get lost, but far enough that I was away if anybody else happened to come down the path. Mm -hmm. And I could see maybe... 10, 15 feet in front of me, but after that, it was it was just it was dense, you know, just just an unbelievably thick fog. Like I've never seen fog that thick before. And I was walking along, and I and I noticed uh, in the distance that there was something red uh, hanging off of this fallen tree, and it was mm-hmm. maybe about eight or nine feet off the ground. And I thought, now what on earth, what on earth is that? And I. Right. You know, I, I, I walked toward it very slowly because I wanted to sort of preserve the suspense in case it was just, you know, oh, it's a shirt. Um, but the closer I got, the the more this, I just, I, could, I couldn't figure out what this thing was. It was mm-hmm. draped over the tree, and it was this very unbelievably vivid bright red, and oh, nothing wow. else around it was that color. Mm-hmm. And when I got up close to it, I'm very small, so I couldn't really 
get too close to it, but, but I, I got kind of below it uh-huh. and I, I still don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the inside of something. I don't know if it was, I, I don't know. It, it looked kind of like meat um, or something, some kind of stringy inside meat. And it was uh-huh. draped over this branch, but there was moss growing on it. There was this thick layer of moss on it. And I stood there for maybe 10, 15 minutes just trying to figure out, now, what? how long has this thing, thing been out here that it's got this moss on it, but it's still this bright red? And I didn't touch it, obviously, and I didn't really go anywhere else near it. But it, it got to the point eventually where I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave. I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but this is really strange. So I left. I, I ended up walking back, and I, I met up with, you know, my parents, and yeah. that, that was the end of it. So that was something strange. Um, there's also, as I mentioned, there's an area um, out in the Sisters area. There's a, there's a passage that you kind of go through when you go from uh, Portland to Sisters, and this is in Central Oregon. Um, and the area out there is really strange. It's this high desert, uh, very sort of sparse, scrubby, uh, deserty kind of land with these big rolling hills. Mm-hmm. And there were a few times when we would be driving uh, back and forth between those two cities, and we'd go through that area at night, and it, it's just unsettling. It's a yeah. really unsettling feeling out there. There's nothing. Unfortunately, I don't have any experiences myself out there, but I, every time we would drive through there, it was just there's just this very strange kind of almost electric kind of feeling out there. And I always thought if we were ever to break down out there for whatever reason, if I ever had to get out of the mm-hmm. car, that it, something weird would happen, that something bad would happen. And I was always really glad when we would get out of that area because it was just, it was really weird. I, there's there's no real good way to explain it, but there's just that feeling that something is very wrong and it doesn't really want you there and it's not going to come after you, but if you're near there, you're you're going to run into it, and so right. that, it, it was very strange. It was a very strange area, and a big inspiration for me for some of the um, places that uh, I've begun writing about um, in the book that is going to be made um, about this uh, about this series. Now that is exciting because I've been following you on Tumblr and keeping up with all all your news, and uh, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. see that there's going to be a, yeah, but there's a book in in the horizon, yeah. And just before the top of the hour, we've had great feedback from the chat so far related to what you were just saying. But um, just in case you have anything to add, um, CB Girl 96 was asking, you know, regarding your inspiration for the stories. And CB Girl was saying, do you come up with them on your own or do you get stories from other people? You know, where where are your possible other sources? Obviously, beyond David Politis, etc. Oh, I mean, they, my inspiration comes from everywhere. My, they come from stories that I read online. Mm-hmm. Uh, they come from things that people I know tell me. Um, for the most part, I do my best uh, to keep them, you know, to, to be inspired by the things that I think of. But everything, any idea is going to have, you know, outside sources to it. There's always going to be some kind of outside influence. So, yeah, they they can come from anywhere. They can come from, you know, dreams that people tell mm-hmm. me about. I, I really like asking people, you know, what what scares you the most? What are you afraid of specifically? Mm-hmm. What's something scary that happened to you? Um, I love hearing about that kind of thing because if it's 
scares somebody else, and chances are there's going to be a handful of other people that are scared of that particular thing, and I can use that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, inspiration can come from anywhere. It can come from just about mm-hmm. any source, and things that you'd never imagined would be scary can be scary in the right kind of circumstances. Absolutely, and believe me, the, I've, I have a newfound respect for for the woods and the people that work out there as park rangers and search and rescue. Carrie, if you would be so kind to just hang on the line for a few minutes, we're going to play a, a couple of songs, run some station IDs, and then we want to come back and continue this interview on the other side of the break. Is that cool? Absolutely. Awesome. So just hang on the line for us and uh, don't go away, guys. Carrie's going to be right back with us. Believe me, we still got a whole lot more to talk about, including some uh, real life uh, stories that I want to share. I know, Genevieve, you got something lined up right before we go. Yes, um, this is actually one of my favorite snippet stories from um, from the Reddit um, series. And it fits perfectly with um, a couple of those we just heard. So here we go. I honestly don't know how I'd forgotten about this story. But it is by far the scariest thing that's happened to me. I guess maybe I've tried so long to forget about it that it just didn't come to mind right away. As someone who spends literally all of their time in the woods, you don't ever want to let yourself get scared of being alone or out in the middle of nowhere. That's why when you have experiences like this, you tend to just forget about them and move on. This is, to date, the only thing that's ever made me really seriously consider if this job is the right one for me. I don't really like talking about it much, but I'll do the best I can to remember it all. As I recall, this took place right at the end of spring. It was a typical lost child call. A four-year-old girl had wandered away from a family's campsite and had been missing for about two hours. Her parents were completely despondent and told us what most parents do. My kid would never wander away. She's so good about staying close. She's never done anything like this before. We assured her parents that we'll do everything we can to find her and we spread out in a standard search formation. I was partnered with one of my good buddies and we were sort of at casually holding conversation while we hiked. I know it sounds callous, but you do sort of become desensitized when you've done this thing for a long time. It becomes the norm and I think to a certain extent you have to learn to desensitize yourself in order to work this job. We search for a good two hours going well beyond where we think we should be and we come out of a small valley when something makes us both stop in unison. We freeze and look at each other and there's almost a sensation like plainly pressurizing. My ears pop and I have this odd sensation of having dropped about 10 feet. I start to ask my buddy if he felt that, but before I can, we hear the loudest sound I've ever heard in my life. It's almost like a fright train passing directly by us, but it's coming from every direction at once, including above and below us. He screams something to me, but I can't hear him over this deafening roar. Understandably freaked out, we look all around us trying to find a source of the sound, but neither of us sees anything. Of course, my first thought is a landslide, but we're not near any cliffs, and even if we were, it would have hit us by now. The sound goes on and on and we're trying to yell at each other, but even standing close to each other, we can't hear anything but the sound. Then, as suddenly as it all starts, it stops, like someone threw a switch and cut it off. We stand there for a second, perfectly still, and slowly the normal sound of the woods come back. 
He asked me what the fuck just happened, but I just kind of shrug and we stand there looking at each other for a minute. I get on the radio and ask if anyone else had just heard the end of the fucking world, but no one else hears it, even though we were all within shouting distance of each other. My buddy and I just sort of shrug it off and keep on going. About an hour later, we all check up on the radios and no one's found the little girl. Most of the time, we, we won't search when it gets dark, but because we don't have any kind of lead on her, a few of us decide to keep going, including me and my buddy. We keep close together and we're calling out for every couple of minutes. At this point, I'm hoping beyond hope that we find her. Because while I may not like kids, the idea of them being out all alone in the dark is awful. The woods can be intimidating to kids in the daylight. At night, well, it's a whole different beast. But we're not seeing any signs of her and getting any responses. And around midnight, we decide to turn around and head back to the rendezvous point. We're about halfway back when my buddy stops and shines a slight to the right of us into a really thick deadfall or group of trees. I ask him if he's heard a response, but he just tells me to be quiet and listen. I do, and in the distance I hear what sounds like a kid crying. We both call the girl's name and listen for any kind of response, but it's just this really faint crying. We head in the direction of this deadfall and go around it, calling her name over and over. As we get closer to crying, we start getting this weird feeling in my gut and I tell my buddy that something isn't right. He tells me he feels the same way, but we can't figure out what it is. We stop where we are and call the girl's name again. And at the same time, we both figure it out. The crying is on a loop. It's the same little hitching sob, then well, then quiet hiccup, repeated over and over. It's exactly the same every time and without saying another word, we both take off running. It's the only time I've ever lost my composure like that, but something about it was so incredibly wrong and neither of us wanted to stay out there anymore. When we got back to the rendezvous, we asked if anyone else had heard anything strange but no one else knew what we were talking about. I know it sounds sort of anticlimactic, but that call fucked me up for a long time. As for the little girl, we never found a trace of her. We keep an eye out for her and all the other people who we've never found, but frankly, I doubt we'll ever find them. West of the Rockies with Frank the Engineer on the Independent FM, Los Angeles. What's up, guys? This is Jorge Diaz of Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones. And you're listening to West of the Rockies with Frank. This portion of the show is sponsored by Haunted Orange County, your premier source for all things haunted in and around OC. From haunted history ghost walks to ghost group hunting expeditions at some of SoCal's most haunted destinations. Make your fall plans early and book an upcoming tour or investigation today. Visit hauntedoc.com. To the second hour of West of the Rockies, I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. You heard there during the break a little uh, America, Horse With No Name. One of my favorite songs since I was a kid. A really spooky track. That that song actually used to scare me when I was a kid. Is There's everything just scaring you right now? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm on edge tonight. 
Uh, and some uh, Alice in Chains having beside you, another amazing you. band. Yeah, yeah that yeah. freaked me out. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and boy, that haunted OC promo really scared me. To oh, that music. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as always, Engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at WOTR Radio and check out the website, WOTRradio.com. We got a bunch of cool stuff, interviews, articles, and a whole lot more. Uh, I'm joined by Genevieve Uway on Twitter. That's mm -hmm. at Genevieve Uway. And, uh, I'm not joining on Twitter. I'm, I'm joining no, well, and I'm on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, you probably heard that one of my favorite little bumpers there uh, from uh, our pal Dave Navarro. want to send him a shout out because December 1st, their long-awaited documentary, they've been working on this for years. Uh, God, like a decade, I Something think. like that, yeah. And uh, I got to see uh, a few months, of, actually a couple of years ago, that's how long they've been working on it. I, I think it was like about a year or two ago, I saw some of like the early kind of edits that they had going mm -hmm. on. And it's it's deep. I mean, for the people that are not familiar with uh, Dave Navarro's story, Google it, Wikipedia. It's quite the tragedy. And, and I, this documentary, I know a lot of people have been waiting for it. And yeah, we're going to be checking it out December 1st. And it's going to be available on uh, Video On Demand, I believe, through uh, your usual VOD portals. Yeah, whatever you use. Yeah, whatever Amazon, you... iTunes, whatever there is nowadays. Google <laughs> yeah. Play, is that a thing oh, now? Yeah, right? all that. All that. I, I, don't know, I, I don't know how many people remember this, but Facebook for a while was meant to be streaming movies. I think there was one, yeah, you told yeah, me. Yeah, no, there well, they one. were going to have, they had a few, I think, but I, I actually got to interview the people that were the first movie to that's be cool, streamed on cool. Facebook, yeah. Our guest tonight, we're really excited to have her on. Her name is Carrie, a.k.a. Sar Woods, uh, or S-A-R Woods. Uh, how, do, how do I say that, Carrie? I'm, I'm always uh, trying to figure out, should I say Sar Woods, S-A-R Woods, um, Search and Rescue Woods? <laughs> <laughs> You know, when I, I just called it do S-A-R Woods, um, I guess you could do it any way you wanted, but in my head, if I'm referring to myself that way, I, it's S-A-R Woods, I guess. Okay, S-A-R Woods. And uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you on uh, on social media, your Tumblr, your Reddit, and all that? Yeah, um, you can find me on Reddit. Um, I'm the user Search and Rescue Woods, um, and my Tumblr is the same, um, searchandrescuewoods.tumblr.com. Um, so either of those two places uh, you can find me. Uh, most of my stories are still on Reddit. Um, I am trying to get them put onto Tumblr, um, so they're going to be available both places. Uh, the Tumblr uh, is just mainly updates, uh, letting people know what's going on. Um, and the Reddit, of course, uh, is strictly for the stories. So if you'd rather just read the stories mm -hmm. as they come out, um, mm -hmm. you can follow me there. And if you want to receive updates and you know, send me messages or whatever, you can follow me on Tumblr. Very cool. Very cool. And one of the things that uh, as we were talking about right before we went to break is you incorporate these strange characters that, that pop up that people describe seeing in the woods. Are you a believer on Bigfoot? And I know you, you mentioned or people have asked you actually about the goat man and, and the bear man and all these kind of cryptic uh, beings that, that are rumored to, to walk around in the wilderness. Are you a believer that, that there's stuff out there? that you know we just don't know about yeah absolutely i think that um you know i i wouldn't say that i am a, a, a specific believer in like say specifically bigfoot but uh -huh. i definitely think that uh i definitely think there's things out there that we don't know about um the world is big enough things are weird enough out there that you know anything is possible so i mean until until you can conclusively say to me it either doesn't exist or couldn't then any anything's possible 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that we asked you, Carrie, uh, via email was that we wanted to get your top five list of books. Mm -hmm. So I think right now it would be a good time to, to get to know you a little better. And uh, why don't you tell us your top five list of books? Uh, see, that's always, uh, it's always really hard because <laughs> um, reading is one of my other obsessions. Um, right. I'm an awful book hoarder. I have way too many books. Um, but I, I kind of tried to narrow it down to things that would kind of fit into either things that really inspired me for this series specifically mm -hmm. um, that or are uh, horror-based. So okay. I, I came up with with my my top five, and I guess we'll start with uh, number with I guess going number one being the top. Um, we'll start with number five. Um, J.D. Salinger has a collection of stories that he wrote mm -hmm. um, that it's just and it doesn't have a title. It's essentially just you know ten or fifteen stories at the moment. I'm awful and I can't remember how many there are. But um, the first story uh, in that collection, um, at least in the copy that I have, um, is called A Great Day for Banana Fish, um, which is remarkable. It is one of easily one of the best short stories I've ever read. Um, it in itself is not horror, um, but it's one of those things where I don't really even want to say that much about it because it's just one of those things you just have to read. It is, mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those stories that I read and I, I will never get tired of reading that story. It is unbelievable. It gives me chills. Um, and it's something that I really try to emulate because it's wonderful. He's an incredible writer. Mm -hmm. Very, very good with dialogue. Um, the fourth, uh, would, I would have put this up higher, um, but I think in terms of how much it inspired this series, I had to rank it a little bit lower, mm -hmm. um, would be Lord of the Flies. Oh, nice. Uh, Lord of the Flies, I've read probably, oh my God, 50, 60 times. Yeah. I, I read it probably at least four or five times a year. Oh, wow. Um, and it, it's just one of those books that I don't think I'll, I'll ever get tired of. Um, it's, it changes as I get older. Um, every time I read it, it, it has a different impact on me. Um, the story changes, the characters change. I've been reading that book since I was probably, I think the first time I read it, I would have been around probably seven or eight. I read it really young. Mm -hmm. um, and when I really did identify with a lot of those kids. And, you know, like yeah. I said, the older that I get, the more that story impacts me in different ways. So mm -hmm. I'm planning on continuing to basically read it for the rest of my life. <laughs> wow, my that's great. That's an amazing story. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's, again, you know, I can't recommend it enough. Um, number three is uh, Stephen King's story. Uh, he wrote it when he was still writing as Richard Bachman. Um, his stories from when he was Richard Bachman, I could talk about this forever, but when he was writing under the Richard Bachman um, pseudonym, it, mm -hmm. his stories tended to have a, a different kind of theme, a different tone, um, that in some ways I actually like a lot better than his later work. Mm -hmm. um, but one of those, uh, one of those stories uh, was The Long Walk. Um, mm -hmm. It was a short novella that he wrote, um, which was about a young man in this sort of dystopian society, kind of 1984-esque society, where they have this yearly contest where a, a group of 100 boys set out on this walk. Um, again, I won't go into too much detail about it, because I really think it's one of those things you need to experience. 
Um, and it it's an incredible piece of work for me because it's all told. We know what the ending is when we start the book. There's mm-hmm. never any question of how this book is going to end. So the tension in it doesn't come from finding out what happens. The tension comes from knowing what's going to happen and not being able to do anything about it and mm-hmm. seeing how he's going to deal with it along the way. Um, so in terms of that's that's a book that I like both for the craft, the way that it's mm-hmm. written, um, and also for the story itself. Um, number two, the, these next, well, the last two, um, are easily the biggest influences on me, both in their stories, the way they're written, the content, I mean, everything. Um, number two uh, is Haunted uh, by Chuck Palahniuk. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing his name correctly. I love all of his work. I have not read a single one of his books that I haven't liked. Um, wow. Haunted is one of the ones that I, it's another one that I read all the time. It's mm-hmm. written from a lot of different perspectives. And it's one of those ones that is shocking both in the way that it's written and obviously the content. Anybody who's read that book knows exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, he, he is someone that I really look up to. I really like the way that he writes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's a lot of similarity between the way that he and uh, Brett Easton Ellis write. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote American Psycho, of course. And I think there's a lot of similarities between those two. They, they both tend to use protagonists that are not necessarily the most likable people, mm-hmm. um, but that's what makes them interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're, they're just, they're fascinating. Yeah, they're very um, personal. Yeah. The number one, yeah, they, well, they're, and, and I mean, there's stories that if you were reading it to like the people in them, you wouldn't like it. Yeah, yeah. You're not reading it because you necessarily like the characters. You're reading it because you just want to know. Because they're weird. That's <laughs> the way that they are. Yeah, exactly. And what they're, what they're talking about. So, yeah, it, Haunted is amazing. Um, it's, it's, it's an incredible piece of work. Um, number one is, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a tour de force. I've read it more times than I could count. I refer to it constantly. It is, I don't get scared anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get scared really at all. Um, nothing really frightens me just, I guess, because I've done this for so long and I've studied horror for so long. So if anything scares me, it's really saying something. And mm-hmm. this book scared me. I, I mean, scared me in both kind of the Ugh! kind of way and both in a very deep, <laughs> scarring, mm-hmm. uh, psychological way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's stuck with me ever since I read it the first time. And I'll, I don't know that I'm ever going to really make sense of it, but it's fabulous. And it's House of Leaves. House of Leaves mm. is unbelievable. It is one of the few books that I've ever written that I could not, I, I couldn't read it at night. It was terrifying. Oh, wow. Um, and I love that book both because it's just, it's a, it's a very interactive experience because not only are you trying to deal with all of these different you know, characters, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to keep up with all of these different storylines that are happening, happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. The book itself is interactive because the farther along you get, the more disjointed both the text and what's going on in it are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's incredible. Um, he's someone that I greatly admire and respect. And I would say in terms of, of what I'm currently writing and the, I'm not really trying to emulate anyone's style, but 
in terms of who I think I'm, I'm taking the most from, it would have to be, it would have to be Mark, Mark Anulicki. He's wow. just unbelievable. I will never know how he wrote that book, but if you haven't, of all of the books that I've mentioned, if you haven't read that one, you need to, you need to go out like tomorrow and get it because it's <laughs> just mind blowing. It's, unbelievable so yeah i would say that would those would be my my top five for this particular uh scenario and category wow well let me tell you i have my work cut out for me because this is honestly a great list and you bet i'm gonna pick up a few of these to read myself uh just kind of scanning through the chat room i see people's comments uh Marcy Pan says, honestly, some of the scary stories I've ever read, I believe I missed the question. Uh, they want to know when your next story is coming out, when the yeah, book is coming out. Yeah, that was CB Girl as well. Yeah. Can you mm -hmm. tell us when is your next story, as people are eagerly waiting for, and when are you planning on releasing the book and all that good stuff? I feel so bad because I don't keep to a strict schedule as mm -hmm. far as the releases of my stories go. Um, initially, I had, I had intended to try and do that. Um, but I do work um, outside of doing writing, obviously. Uh -huh. um, so it's one of those things where I, I'm, I'm doing my best to update as often as I can. Um, but at this time, I don't have exact dates. I'm mm -hmm. hoping to have the eighth part up. I'm hoping before Christmas. I know that's, that's a huge amount of time to be mm -hmm. talking about. Um, but I would say that we can expect to see the eighth part up probably in the next couple of weeks, and it could be sooner than that. Um, it kind of just depends on when I get a minute to really sit down, because I don't like to release them until I know I've got a really good chunk of material. I know mm -hmm. people would love to see these things be, you know, 30 pages at a time. Right. I, <laughs> I know people are always always want more, so I try not to update until I have a really good, you know, mm -hmm chunk of, of, of things to give them because I don't like to update with just tiny little, tiny little things. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would say start looking for it, you know, anywhere from three days from now until Christmas. I, I can promise though that I will update this month. Okay. Um, as far as the book goes, um, unfortunately I can't really go into a lot of detail about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no real concept of a release date. I, unfortunately it's one of those things where it is still being actively worked on. Yeah. So I don't have any kind of timeline. I don't have any release dates. Mm -hmm. All I can really say at this point is that it is being worked on. It is a project that I am actively working on. It's going to happen. I just, I can't say anything else really about it, unfortunately. Understandably. Um, I'm intrigued. Have you ever put out any other stories on Reddit or specifically No Sleep, perhaps under a different Elias or something? Yes, um, I have a couple of them um, mm. that I've put out under different um, usernames. Mm -hmm. um, there were, I think I put out probably three, mm -hmm. um, but there are only two at the moment that I, that I'm that are coming to mind, and those were the two that that did well. Mm -hmm. um, one of them, one of them, the first one that I ever posted on No Sleep, um, I did kind of as an experiment. It was an idea that I'd been kicking around for quite a while. Um, I had the idea back years and years and years ago and it originally was going to be a short novel but mm -hmm. it was I, I couldn't really I couldn't really stretch it out um, into anything of substantial size so I ended up just kind of turning it into a little thing and posting it and I don't know that this is the exact title but if you go on no sleep and you search for the story um, 
if you can if you can move, please respond. And it was a story about a man, a young man, um, who woke up one day, um, essentially, and everybody was frozen in place. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. And that one did fairly well. It was pretty controversial because of some of the subject matter in it. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess I should say right now that it, 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 like all my other stories, it, it has potential, you know, I guess, mm-hmm. trigger warnings or something in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very controversial piece. The, the opinions on it either ranged from, I love this, this is the best thing ever, to... Mm-hmm. You know, you should be ashamed for writing this. Wow. So, um, uh, we did actually <laughs> have... That one. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> oh, uh, I was going to say, um, so there's that, but what, what were you going to ask? Related to that, there was a question um, a little earlier on in a chat from um, Professor Madness, who was asking, how do you deal with hate comments? If any. <laughs> Good. Okay, a ne- <laughs> negative. I, I shouldn't say hate comments. Let's rephrase that to, yeah, no, you know, I negative feedback. Meant. I really haven't gotten that much, mm-hmm. um, but for the most part, uh, as as callous as it sounds, mm-hmm. I I read every comment that I get. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the negative ones go, if they are making legitimate points, then I will take those points to heart and yeah. I'll use uh-huh. them to improve my future stories. Um, I've gotten several comments from people who actually do work for the Forest Service, um, who have written me and said, "Just so you know." Uh, none of your terms were correct. Oh, and dear. I said, okay, then tell me tell me what I can do to improve and what terms I need to use. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're if they're kind of troll comments, then uh-huh. I just don't really respond. But I right. honestly I don't really get very many. That's mm-hmm. sort of surprising to me, but I don't. Um, and going back to the other stories, there's another one um, that I've actually submitted for a contest. So I don't know if this one will stay up, um, but it is up for the time being. Um, and it's also on No Sleep, and it's called uh, I Loved Her. Um, that one, again, was very controversial um, because of the subject matter. Um, people either didn't understand it at all, or they sort of understood it, or they you know, understood it and were appalled. Um, which, actually, in my opinion, is what makes good horror. It should yeah. offend you. It should appall you. It's horror. It's mm-hmm. not supposed to be something that you read necessarily to be delighted and you know, and, and laugh about it and have a good time. I, I think some of the best horror I've ever read was excruciating. I did not want to read it or see it, but I right. watched anyway, or I read anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that one, that one, I don't know if it'll stay up. I may have to take that one down depending on the results of this contest. Um, but for the time being, it's up. Um, you can read it. Let me know what you think. Um, but both of those are not under, um, of course, are not under the Search and Rescue Woods username. That username will always have uh will only ever have stories that are related Mm -hmm. very cool Mm -hmm. i just want to make a little parenthesis here when we came back from the break i mentioned a movie there was the first movie to stream on facebook i didn't say the name because i wanted to make sure i got the name right (laughs) out of respect for the uh, director and the cast the the name of that movie is the perfect house i saw uh, i think it was kung pu in the chat room was asking it it was a horror right it it was a horror movie correct Mm -hmm. can you see a pattern here (laughs) of what i'm into but carrie I want to share these two stories with you. Maybe they can serve as inspiration. I don't know. 
But uh, talking about some, you know, real life experiences, because like I said, you know, reading some of Politis's books and then reading your stories, I just began asking friends and acquaintances a little bit about, you know, if they've had anything strange happening in the woods. And we actually, uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Ernie Alonso, shout out to Ernie, mm -hmm. his, um, one of his uh, family members uh, shared yeah. with us a story that happened at Yosemite, uh, which is, I believe, according to Politis's research, one of like the biggest clusters of, of missing people in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they were, she was telling us a story no, I about... No, they, they had a few weird little, you know, feelings in the woods. And this was literally just three months ago. Yeah, not, it was like in the spring, summer of this year, right? And it was a family, you know, um, husband, wife, and their kids. Um, they went out to, to Yosemite, did a little camping trip or whatever. And on the way back, they found some nice plants, some flowers. They picked them up and walked to the car and got into the car and they they started to get a weird feeling and and this is let me tell you this is a really lovely family a normal family i've never seen them do or say anything <laughs> weird i've never yeah. even heard them say like a swear word nothing bad they're just solid good people right and um they said they got into the car and I, can't, I honestly can't specifically remember, so don't take my word for it, but something started going weird, like the, the radio wasn't turning on at all, or the car just wasn't really, like, the engine just wasn't coming on, right? Yeah. Not, just the car wasn't working for some reason. And the wife, you know, I, I guess, I don't know whether it was, like, weird feminine instinct or just a girly thing to do, but she was like, oh, you know, maybe... Maybe it's because we stole something from the forest. I mean, I guess when yeah. your car just decides to break down, that's the first thing. Like, I mean, that that's the only thing you've got left at the end, right? So they're just like, hey, look, let, let's just try to pick up the flowers and put them back on the ground and and acknowledge that we've returned them. Yeah. That's all they did. They returned to the car. The car sprung on and, and off they drove. And, and that was it. And th this is like, again... People we know, people we talk to regularly about once a week, lovely family, and they've never, ever come out with a story like that. Yeah. and So it was bizarre. And uh, another one that a good buddy of mine uh, shared with me, I, I hit him up because he told me this story about like 10, 12 years ago. And I was asking him, hey, do you remember this one story you told me about? And he shared it with me uh, once again. And it's really crazy because from what he tells me, it was one of his friends, their landlord, I believe, shared this story that, you know, apparently it's a thing or I don't know how much of a thing it still is. But, you know, there's a lot of people that like to live off the grid and they live in the forest pretty much. So this was a hippie, you know, like one of those hippie guys that would just camp out there and, and pretty much spend a lot of time in the woods. And apparently what happened was day was that um, uh, he woke up and he went to sleep in his sleeping bag and he woke up to being carried by a large human which was running very fast or humanoid or we say. some <laughs> human like so apparently was carrying him as it was running really fast and apparently whatever was carrying it tripped and dropped them and he said that when he came out of his sleeping bag he saw what he describes as a tripped out bigfoot like a confused bigfoot of some extent and the the bigfoot basically ran in one direction he ran in the other and apparently he never went back into the woods the reason why i'm bringing these stories is because there was a comment i think it must have been like on part two or three i tried to look for it but boy i mean the, these stories are so popular it's really hard sometimes to find the exact comments but it was a comment left by a redditor and uh, he was saying that he's encountered the this 
thing in the woods. He doesn't specify what he means by thing, but he says that, you know, don't ever touch anything uh, that looks out of place. Don't grab anything. Don't take anything with you um, because, you know, whatever is out there might follow you to some extent. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's something that is really scary. And we kind of see a little bit of this in your stories with the stairs, right? Because it's this thing that is not meant to be out there. But obviously, if you see these stairs, you're bound to want to check them out. Can you tell me a little bit more about the nature of the stairs in the world of your stories? Because it sounds like these are almost some kind of, not just a bait, but it seems like some kind of portal of some sort. Um, one of the things that I'm going to, of course, what I'm really going to be focusing on um, in the book um, are the stairs. That, ah. is, that is the central idea. Mm -hmm. um, nice. And I've really enjoyed listening to people's theories on it. I really like seeing what people think. Um, I know exactly what's going on, but I don't really want to say because I really like mm -hmm. I really like seeing what people are coming up with. But what mm -hmm. I will say um, is that they're they are not man-made. Mm. Um, they're not something that, you know, that one of the things I, I, I definitely want to just throw out there um, I, is that it's not some kind of government experiment. It's ah, not okay. some kind of thing that, 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 you know, the government has made and is testing out there. It is, it, you know, it, it is not man-made. It is something that is occurring out there, but it is not man-made. Um, but it's, it's, it's something that I'll be going into in really a lot of detail in the book. Mm -hmm. Um but until then, I'm going to keep kind of close lips on it because I just really like seeing what people are, what people think they are. And, as, and I mean, as, as far as what everybody's been guessing so far, mm -hmm. I, I mean, you, you may be right. You know, oh boy! That's part of that's part of the mystery. Is maybe you're right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they are kind of. Maybe they are portals. Maybe maybe we aren't supposed to touch them. Maybe we are. Who knows? Oh my god! Wow! No, you're you're just making this. Uh, it's gonna be a torturous wait. I can already tell. <laughs> you know if what? I, I wasn't confident that the thing you know was gonna be written. I would tell you, but I'm confident right. that this thing's gonna happen. So I promise you there there will be at least somewhat of a resolution. I can promise you that. But until then, <laughs> I just want to I want people to keep guessing. I love hearing the theories. You know, one thing that always sticks in my mind um, from my very beloved English teacher back at school was the phrase of death of the author. You know, once the author has put something out there, it's for it's for the reader to interpret. There is no wrong and right. And. I feel that's what you're doing and you're remaining true to that. You know, it, it's not up to you. Once you put it out there, it's up to people reading it to interpret it. And you don't want to add too much because that will end up ruining it <laughs> at times, at times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the only thing I'm really confident in throwing out there is just they're not man-made. That's the only thing you need to worry about is they're not man-made. And even that, I think there's still a lot of different directions you could go with it. So there's no, aside from that, there's no right mm -hmm. or wrong. I'm one of the many people like yourself who is intrigued and puzzled by these strange happenings in the forest. You're familiar with, with Politis' work, and I'm sure a lot of the people listening are as well. He 
reserves his opinion as to what he thinks is happening. You writing these stories and reading comments from so many people, receiving questions and feedback, have you formulated any kind of idea as to what could possibly be causing so many people to go missing in real life? I have no idea. And I think that's why I'm continued, my interest has continued with his work. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you know, again, I because I've been working so closely with this project, uh, with my project, um, I know what's going on in this universe, mm-hmm. I mean, at least to a certain extent, Yeah. but I don't know. And I think that's one of the, that's one of the reasons that I really wanted to try and boost his work mm-hmm. because I don't know. Yeah. I, I just don't know. And I, and I think it's very strange mm-hmm. and I really think it deserves to be looked at further. Yeah. And I think what's kind of frightening about it is that uh, and I'm not in any way saying that my stuff is fact, mm-hmm. but because we don't know, it could be anything. Yeah. And what would frighten mm-hmm. me, I think, more than anything is to find out that maybe some, even a tiny part of what I'm talking about mm-hmm. um, has in any way to do with with what's happening. That mm-hmm. would, that I think would frighten me more than anything. But True. I really don't. I really don't know. And and I. I mean, my I, I extend my deep sympathies to the people that have been affected by it, whether they've, you know, lost a loved one or or, or have lost friends yeah. or colleagues. It's awful, and and I really do hope that at some point we do come to a resolution yeah. for these people. But in the meantime, as awful as it is, I I, I wanted to explore it and and kind of come up with my own you know, theories about it. So I wish, I wish I could say, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's Bigfoot, it's yeah. aliens or whatever. I don't know. I, I just don't know. And, and that's what's frightening about it. And you know what? I remember reading your stories as before finding out they were fiction. I sent the link to Genevieve and I was, you know, and she read them and we were talking about them. And uh, I remember telling her, this is one of the, the few times when I hope that these stories are fictional, <laughs> you know, because they were really terrifying. <laughs> I really hated to think that somebody out there went through some of these things. And obviously, when you told me, I was relieved that, you know. He was know, bummed out, but relieved. I was, was bummed out, but relieved. Yeah, exactly. He was like, he didn't know what to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he was no. like, Genevieve, I'm upset, a, but really happy. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be a pretty consistent reaction is, oh, I'm really bummed out uh, that these aren't real, but I'm also really glad because now I can go up and down my stairs and go out and... <laughs> 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 so, right. That's been, it's, that's been a very consistent reaction. I have a couple of um, comments to make about, um, you know, the writing process and your ideas. You know, I've had a few debates with people about this, and one of my arguments has always been, you know, um, I realize that the general population does prefer a male protagonist in the story, um, unfortunately for some. And um, personally, I've noticed that a lot of um, novels with male protagonists tend to mainly draw in female crowds, whereas stories about male heroes draw in, you know, guys and um, girls. And you see this especially in, in children's and teen fiction. So what was your motivation behind making your protagonist a man? I've always written as male protagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, but I've always done it. I have never written a story um, from a woman's point of view. Mm-hmm. And that isn't anything to do with gender bias or preferring one or the other. I've just always written from the male perspective. So there really wasn't any kind of conscious decision in doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think 
with the particular industry that he was in um, and the things that he was doing. Yeah. Um, I needed my character to be somebody who um, may have had a background in it, you know, was, I hesitate to even say like rugged, mm-hmm. but in the construct of the story that I was creating, it made more sense for him to be male. But yeah, yeah. I've always I've always written as as a male protagonist. I've I've never never done any different. Um, and this particular character, Russell, um, I'm very fond of. Um, and I've gotten. Do you to name his name in that? A lot more. Hmm? Do you name his name in it? Sorry, Russell. I can't remember if I ever. I I don't recall yeah, Russell. Yeah, I don't recall yeah. Russell. <laughs> it's, I suddenly hear yeah, this. I don't, I don't know if I ever did or not, but um, yeah, his name his name is Russell. Wow, oh, everyone okay. knows now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can't remember, and that was never it was never intended to be a secret or anything. I yeah, can't yeah. Remember if I'd ever actually named him, um, but I'm I'm very fond of him um, as a character. I've gotten to know him very well um, as I've been writing, um, and he's he's a very interesting he's a very interesting guy. Um, a lot of fiction writers, I think, will tell you that they're, at least this, this happens, you know, with me, um, the characters, I don't, I don't really make them. They, they just sort of gradually reveal themselves to me over time, which, mm-hmm. which sounds kind of like a clock, but from what I gather, that's a fairly common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of developed over time, um, as, as I've, you know, gotten to know him better, um, but he's he's fascinating. I think he's a very interesting guy with a very interesting background. I will say though, um, KD, who I mentioned in one of the stories, is going to be. She's also going to be featured, oh, wow. and I've gotten to know her um, as well. And she's very interesting. She has a very interesting story okay. um, that is still being developed. Um, so there will be a female um, protagonist, um, but obviously I won't go into it. Um, that's nice nice Um, but i guess sort of circling i guess sort of circling back to the main point yeah there was never any sort of conscious decision about whether or not he was gonna he was gonna be okay i just i've always written that way so there he was no i was you know generally interested and i guess a broader question would then be um do you think there is a bias towards you know um male protagonists or just heroes and stories in general is that what draws people towards them more you know i i i really couldn't say um mm-hmm. i again as callous as it sounds um the whole i guess gender bias question um and concern in literature is not really something that i spend a lot of time thinking about mostly because i don't really care if they're male or female and Mm -hmm. i i i I always assumed that most people felt the same way but if i was Mm -hmm. going to make any sort of generalized comment on it um i'd say that the only real benefit i think to having a male protagonist at least from the point of view of the writer, and maybe it's not even really a benefit. I I think that in the larger scheme of things, when you write as a male character, I think there's a lot less pressure to focus on them as a character and their strengths and their weaknesses because they're more neutral, I think, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and whether that's a product of our current culture, or our society, I, I won't even get to because get into because I don't have any opinion on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, again, it sounds really callous, but I'm a writer. I kind of speak to myself. I don't really think about it that much. But yeah, I, I would say that you know there there may be some larger sort of thing to it than I'm than I'm making of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can definitely I can safely say in my case there was never any kind of you know oh I'm going to write as a male protagonist mm-hmm. because more people will be interested in it. It was more mm-hmm. just, oh, he's a dude. All right, yeah, I guess yeah. I'm writing as a dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's like really interesting to know. You know, like the, there's so many questions and people start you know, wondering, oh, why did you pretend to be a guy? Are you lying to us? And, you know, you get these comments coming up and we read a couple of comments where people seemed angry that you weren't exactly what you said you were and it doesn't seem quite right. <laughs> yeah, there was. I've seen a few of those comments where, you know, people were were sort, sort of confused and uh-huh. maybe, maybe a little bit betrayed that I, I guess they thought I was impersonating someone or you know, or, or was lying about who I was. Um, but as a fiction writer, that's kind of your job. That's part right. of it, yeah. Just, yeah. As weird as it sounds, you're a professional liar. That's what you do. <laughs> you are. I, as the author, I, as the author, don't matter. I'm exactly. I'm writing it down. What matters is who I'm writing about. Uh-huh. And I've never claimed to be the person that I'm mm-hmm. writing about. I am not Russell. He's his own person. Mm-hmm. Um but, but, you know, in, in cases like this with my stories in particular, the line between me and, you know, between myself and Russell is a little thin. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. It's, to me, it's understandable why certain readers who are really invested in the story might be a little bit upset about it. And I hold nothing against them. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, it just goes to show how passionate people are about these stories. It's a compliment. How, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is really a compliment that your work struck such a deep chord in people that that was their reaction. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The power of words. Of words. Yeah. Um, Terry, we're almost out of time. But let me ask you this question, because obviously I'm quite intrigued by the whole stairs thing. And I was on the Internet for a long time trying to find any and all information that I could about it. And I remember somebody even found a picture on somebody's Instagram account where they took a picture of what looked like steps in the woods. And you have a a really interesting picture on your Tumblr as well of these stairs in the woods. Where was that picture taken or or where did that picture come from? It's awful, but I haven't... I, I haven't confirmed exactly where those are, but to the best of my knowledge, um, it is a sculpture oh. um, that is in a forest somewhere in Europe. Um, mm-hmm. I, the Denmark is coming to mind for some reason. I'm sure that's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, as stupid as it sounds, and it's probably recklessly irresponsible of me, um, <laughs> when I set that Tumblr up, I needed a picture uh-huh. that would be, you know, instantly recognizable. And so, what I, you know, I, I did a, a Google search. Yeah. That was one of the first things that came up. And because it was so close to how I pictured mm-hmm. it, you know, I thought, oh, this is perfect. Um, in, of course, going forward, now that the Tumblr is more popular, I'm going to need to really sit down and give credit where credit is due. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting picture. And um, yeah. again, uh, as, as far as I know, um, it's a sculpture that someone did and put out in the middle of the woods. And oh, it's, wow. It's a beautiful picture. I, it, it's haunting, actually. And it it's is. To me. And, and, and it's, 
it's it's a beautiful picture. I, I'm very, very fond of it. Yeah, no, it, it definitely, when I saw that picture, I thought either you went and had it made or something because it was very, uh, yeah, exact to... Uh, <laughs> To what it looks like. Question just regarding your writing process, you know, for for people out there who, who want to become writers, aspiring authors, have you got any tips? You know, what's your creative writing process like? How do you start? Do you draw mind maps? What do you do? And that's something that I feel so unqualified to talk about. And <laughs> I, because I, I don't I don't think of myself as being um, a professional. But as far as my personal process goes, mm -hmm. um, I'm really lucky in the sense that it does sort of just kind of come to me very naturally. I don't really have to think about it. Um, but generally, if I know, you know, that I, that I want to get something done, um, if I need to, you know, do a chapter for the book or if I have an idea that I need to get down, um, generally what I'll do is just kind of – I think about, okay, what is, what's the main idea that I want to get across? What's, you know, what am I trying to say and how can I say it in as few words as possible? Um, and then I'll just sit down and kind of shut my brain off and let it happen. Um, one of the best pieces of advice um, that I've ever gotten as far as the craft of writing goes came from my mom. Um, and that is no matter what it is that you are writing, no matter what part of the story you're in, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's the beginning or end, every single word that you put down has to move the story forward. Mm. It has to yeah, have a purpose yeah. because you don't want to have extraneous words in there. You don't want to have things in there that don't yeah. add to anything. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, that was one of the main, one of the biggest problems I think that a lot of young writers have is that when you get caught up in an idea, it's very tempting to just put down as much information about that idea as you possibly can because you're really passionate about it and you want to talk about it and all of this mm -hmm. detail. And what you end up with is kind of this giant block of text that really doesn't do anything for yeah. you. Maybe it, it may be interesting, but it doesn't do anything for mm -hmm. you. All right. So make sure that, you know, well, not even make sure, but what I find is helpful is just, okay, this is an interesting idea, but is it going anywhere? Yeah. I've, when I first started the first draft of this book, um, I ended up scrapping, I think I scrapped about probably 30 or 40 pages worth of material at this oh, point. Wow. Wow. And that's some of the hardest th stuff that I've had to do is get rid of things. But you have to. If it isn't moving anything forward and it's not serving a purpose, then you don't need it. And I've kept it. I mean, I have everything that I've gotten rid of in case I want it later. Um, but I've gotten rid of it. And mm -hmm. when you're writing something, what a lot of people, and I do this constantly, it's a constant thing that I'm doing. When you're writing, when you're sitting down and you're writing the first draft of something and you're just trying to get the idea down, don't focus on making it good. Nobody, you know, one of the things that I'm constantly comparing myself to, um, is Bastard Out of Carolina, because that is one of the most beautiful books I've ever read. It is written so wonderfully. And on the days that I'm feeling low, I'll sit there and think, well, ugh, this is terrible. Why would, why would anyone want to read this? This is awful. But it's the first draft. All you're trying to do is just get the raw information down. Yeah. And it, it's sort of sad because I, I, there are so many people that, that write to me and go, oh, I had this great idea for the story. 
But I started, and it was awful, and I just stopped because mm. I, I knew it wasn't going to be good, and I and it was just it was just terrible, and the writing was terrible. Well, that doesn't. It's the first draft. It doesn't matter. Just get the idea down. All you're doing is collecting the wool. You're not going to spin it into yarn until you're much further along. All mm-hmm. I'm doing right now, in the process that there is a point that I'm in, I'm just gathering wool from the sheep. I'm not trying to spin it into yarn yet. That comes much later, and. I think for a lot of people, that's where they get discouraged. Is they stop, they stop sharing the wool. They don't, they don't see that that wool is going to become something later on. So just keep at it. And there's a lot of, you know, online courses for writing if it's something that you really want to do and you don't feel you have a good, you know, foundation in. Um, read, read as much as you can. Read yeah. anything. Read everything. Read back cereal boxes. <laughs> read pamphlets. Read the newspaper. Read books. Read anything. Because the more that you read, the more you're going to have to draw from. I have read so much at this point that I have a massive amount of stuff that I can draw from. It's like being an artist. You have to work from references. And your mental if you work from references, your mental library is going to get bigger and bigger, and soon you're going to be able to do more and more and more. So I, I would say that's about the best advice that I could give. That's great advice. Uh, I know that a lot of uh, aspiring uh, writers out there uh, have become fans of your stories, and I think it's encouraging. It should be encouraging. Put the work in. You can have a, a Reddit uh, hit that it's exploding, uh, you know, in, in social media. I saw that you also won an award from Reddit for August uh, on the No Sleep yeah, uh, Summer. Yeah, and I couldn't believe that. <laughs> no, it's really cool. Unfortunately, we're, we're running out of time. And uh, Carrie, why don't you tell people one more time where they can read your stories and where they can follow you and all that good stuff. Uh, you can find uh, all seven parts of the stories and any future updates uh, on Reddit. At uh, My username is uh, Search and Rescue Woods. You can also go on the No Sleep sub. Um, if you go on to the top of all time, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm number two currently. I'm working my way to number one. Nice. Um, you can also follow me on Tumblr. Uh, my Tumblr username is the same, searchandrescuewoods.tumblr.com. Um, you can follow me there for updates, um, occasional um, exclusive stories, uh, and uh, you can also send me messages and I'll answer them. Awesome. And Carrie, once that book is out, promise me you'll be back on this show because I want to talk to you about those darn stairs that uh, still haunt me every night. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I will absolutely be back. I will definitely uh, I will definitely be back to answer questions that you guys have. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carrie. And we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about, about your amazing stories. And like I said, we'll, we'll keep in touch and we'll be keeping up with all the happenings uh, in the woods with you. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for having me. Take Good it night. easy. Bye-bye. Wow. How was that? Oh, Jamie? she was so lovely and so cool. She's great. Big shout out to Carrie. Definitely, if you, if this is the first time you're hearing about her and her I stories. I think it's Carrie, not Carrie. Carrie, I said. Carrie. Oh, no. Carrie, not Carrie. Sorry. Yeah. Someone in the chat said Carrie, but it's Carrie. Yeah. Let's <laughs> the other way around. Let's make sure we clear all that up. Um, so, yeah, check out the Tumblr, searchandrescuewoods.tumblr.com. And on Reddit, it is it's search and, and rescue no, it's woods. The same. It's the yes. same one, but just go and Reddit. Um, if, if you're already part of the No Sleep um, subreddit, that's great. Otherwise, you can still find it yeah. on the No Sleep one. But yeah, Search and, and Rescue Woods is the username. Be on so. the lookout for uh, her story, I believe she said before. Uh, yeah. Well, basically, with next, and, probably in the next couple of weeks. And, of course, the book, which uh, I'll be eagerly awaiting, believe me. 
believe me, as soon as there's some way to pre-order, I'm going to pre-order a copy because I'm, I'm a huge fan of these stories. Like I said, I lost uh, a bit of sleep <laughs> reading them a, a yeah. few weeks back. And I, I, I genuinely still, you know, I think we should stand by it. They, they really help highlight the actual real situations, the real, you know, scary things that are happening yeah. out there. They are helping bring them to light. They are helping people like David Politis, you know, people who write, whether whether it's a book or a website or a blog or whatever, people who write about missing people and try and like bring that to the foreground of our community. Like it is helping it. So anyone who says, I can't believe these are fictional, they are fictional in one sense, but they're not fictional in the sense of the concept stories, the yeah. backbone, no, the backbone of the stories is real. Yeah. It's like reading an, I don't know, an abduction story mm -hmm. of a, a little girl that just gets kidnapped by a man, right? Yeah. Oh, but it was just a fictional story. It was just a movie called Taken. Yeah, but it happens but in it real happens, life. Yeah. That's the point. Did anyone get mad about Taken? No, no one got mad about Taken because they were lying. Oh, what is not real? You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, but no, it's it's very true. It's uh, very true. No, but, it, it, but yeah, it makes a point and it highlights a point. So definitely check out those stories, like we said, and uh, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at WTR Radio. Check out the website WTRRadio.com. If you miss any part of this interview, uh, you will find it there in the next day or two. And uh, you can catch up on everything we talked about with uh, Carrie tonight, a.k.a. S.A.R. Woods. As always, I'm Engineer Frank on Twitter, West of the Rockies on Facebook, Genevieve Uway on Twitter. And you can find her hosting her very own show here on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. on the Independent FM. Uh, music, jokes, facts, and requests, and a whole lot of laughs. So check that out. It's, it's a fun hang, 9 p.m. PST, that is. That being said, I believe we have a, a quick request, literally, a quick last-minute request from uh, our, our our good buddy, Professor Madness, in the chat room. Um, I don't know if you have it ready there for our sign-off. Uh, take care. Else? I do. I, I will be playing another track right after because it's literally a short track. But take care. Be safe. God bless. Don't do anything too crazy. We want to see you back next week. Take it easy, guys. Now we'll see you next week. Bye. West of the Rockies with Frank the Engineer on the Independent FM, Los Angeles.